Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Stargate Archives. Joining me tonight, and it is it is a night, is Brad. How are you, Brad? Hello, everyone. Hi, Mike. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. It's a wonder, looking back at our eight or nine years of podcasting, how we seem to tick off every day of or every time of day to record these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. This week's episode on the archives is going to be Singularity. Introduction to another of the System Lords. A lot of fields, if you're that way inclined. I like the different scenery. It wasn't the Vancouver Hills. I hope you have a note of where that actually was. I'm guessing they dipped their toes south of the border for this one. Uh, nothing on Wiki. I don't have the old shooting locations, but they were more focused on particular buildings. Yeah. Somewhere near one of the quarries were some, you know, agricultural fields. They must have just had the camera pointing the right way. Like the, I couldn't see a mountain anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Purely ignorant of me knowing the Vancouver and Canadian area, like all the pictures I see are mountainous, ruggedous conditions. And whenever they've used it here, it's always been those sort of mountainous valleys and that. So yeah, don't hate me too much for that. <laughs> right then, Singularity, first aired October the 31st, 1997. Written by Rob C. Cooper and directed by Mario Azapardi. The episode opens up more or less in the gate room. We're having a discussion about the merits of a black hole. <laughs> There seems to be some confusion about this mission. You thought they'd gone over this on the prep in the briefing room long before now. Yeah. Interesting here too, because Carter's sort of explaining the accretion to other singularity and all that. And it's pretty much exactly what we see in later seasons where we do get to see a lot more black holes featured in the plot. Yeah, they do tend to pop up when required. It's a nice touch though, Sam going into full technical mode. Of course, Jack chimes up with his accretion disc and <laughs> you get the joke that his telescope isn't just for looking at his neighbours. Yeah, Daniel just keeps on talking as if he didn't even hear it. Then it's like, what, what, what did you say? <laughs> and it kind of derailed him. It caught him up eventually. And then Jack sort of laughs, <laughs> not a, not originally, <laughs> the telescope. And Tilt's just <laughs> like, I don't want to know who doesn't crack a face or anything. We visit the planet. We get a rather extensive billboard, I assume just inside the gate. Hanker Project 169, <laughs> PX8987. SG7, Douglas McLean Memorial Observatory. Doug McLean is an art director on the show. Oh, okay. I was wondering what that was. Hanker is named after Hank Cohen, one of the MGM executives. And John Smith Manning is, of course, N. John Smith, the producer of the show. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah, sort of weird, because even in the 10 seasons of Stargate, we never see anything like this again. Just a, a billboard. Hi, welcome to this vacation spot. <laughs> Make sure your shoes are clean. It made you wonder if they were expecting dignitaries and visitors on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, an established off-site base, rather large investment in technology. Uh, we see on one of the one of the iconic shot through the gate, in the background, we've got windmills, a dish, some sorts of buildings. As you were saying, Vancouver and British Columbia tends to be a little more hilly, so that looks like it was a whole map painting taking out the horizon oh yeah that's probably probably exactly what why we don't see any hills but you just sort of get that vast farming land yeah um, and it also as of before we move on from the sign it sort of just gives us that look too that there's actually more happening through the sgc and that than just what we're seeing through the eyes of sg1 like was well, it's project 169 so 
there's been a lot of other projects like this before that we haven't seen before, possibly have, i.e. mining on the uh, the spirits homeworld and stuff like that. So They probably thought this would be less trouble than some of the projects they get involved with. It doesn't turn out that way. It'd be a lot less costly too than building a subterranean base <laughs> than we <laughs> see later. That's where all the money's going to, not keeping the gate open. At this point, though, they don't really understand the threat of the gold. Till knows lots about how Apophis works. He knows Apophis' territories. He knows other system lords where they operate. Exactly what sort of patrol strength they've got. Rather weak, I would imagine. If they visit a world, they identify it in a system lord's territory. The inhabitants have never met the system lord in you know 200 generations or 200 years. Then they probably think, we're safe here for now. Yeah. So let's build something. Yeah, and they've always got that, well, we can get gate out, but it's sort of, you'd want that gate in pretty close proximity because that's the first thing they get a target so no one can escape. But At least they've got easy access. Yeah, there's no trees that are going to fall over and block your path. or <laughs> As we see later, even if there's a couple of gliders chasing you, I won't be able to shoot you anyway. <laughs> no. So they're walking down this worn road in between some fields and they come across a body. Someone should have been here to meet us. <laughs> Maybe they're prepping the telescope. And yeah, dead body laying on the side of the road, one of the villagers. <laughs> Jack sort of kneels down and, hey, hey, guy, and rolls him over and sees the, the scabbed face and all that. And, uh, ew, Mop 4, they put on their headgear and he sort of swabs his hand with, I'm guessing, some sort of iodine wipes or something. Yeah. I'd probably lose the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> it's the introduction to this whole virus really doesn't play out much throughout the whole episode. It's, it's a threat. We've got to walk around in hazmat suits later, but... One of the teams should have been infected here, and that should have been part of the through line of the episode, not just, oh, Cassandra's got a bomb in her chest. As we'll get to a little bit later, this is where the episode starts to go downhill for me. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) We get to the observatory. We get lots of... You can understand that this was initially released on Halloween night. There's lots of creepy music. Makes you wonder if this was a deliberate reason. Let's do something a little dark, a little spooky. Got a note later on, what's the go after music? Because <laughs> we even get sort of, what when we walk into this <laughs> observatory, we sort of get a bit of the uh, the Gould theme play, a bit slower than normal as well, just to amp up that sort of eeriness. But I do love how they found someone's shed here just to stick a telescope in. I don't know how it sticks out through the roof and rotates and all that, but... Yeah, it's not exactly what you'd expect to see on Earth, is it? Yeah. Although I suppose the black hole is... In one direction. A fixed point. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we don't really have to go too fancy on the telescope. Yep. That's a nice telescope, though. Well, it's backed by a lot of computers, that's for sure. Yeah, a lot of blinky lights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they do find the bodies of SG-7. Uh, some of them are still in the bunks. Whatever happened to these, like it happened fairly quickly. If it was long-term, then they would have got a chance to call for some assistance. Yeah, that's one of the mysteries at the moment, is why weren't Earth told about what was going on? As we see here, they're sort of lying in their beds. It's like they just laid down and died. So it's a fast virus. Yeah. We jumped some credits. We returned to the planet. Decontamination. Yes, the site's yes, been decontaminated. Finally. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd want something a little more stringent because this is an unknown pathogen. Well, that's the thing. If the site's been decontaminated, then you know what the contaminant is. <laughs> you, you can't you can't spray for mosquitoes when there's head lice going around. And then again, this is only a... They let SG-1 in and then they're free to walk around the base. And you think, hang on a minute, no, no. You do a contamination, blood work, while they're on the outside. Yeah. In a containment facility. And then... When they're clear, you let them in. And as we said before, it's a shed. It's not a hermetically sealed structure. <laughs> Something that, that the team's put up, it's not... Because we've seen from the windmills, it was sort of very organic. 
like timbers and that sort of stuff. This is a steel shed that we've put up. We've seen similar architecture and later off-site bases as well, but just walk through this is <laughs> fine. Doesn't matter what's in your blood already. <laughs> no, of course. At this point, Daniel sneezes, <laughs> scares the bejesus out of everybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Approximately a thousand dead at this point. Whatever happened, hit this community back. Yeah, we get Janet off world here too for the first time, I believe. A bacterial infection. We go back out, we start tagging the dead. Yes, and they throw out the prophecy of the people. Darkness will come the and the apocalypse. Darkness will come and the yep. apocalypse. Well, I think Daniel is paraphrasing here because I don't think this native population knew the word apocalypse. No. I think that's a mm. human word. Yeah, it would have been death from the sky above or he would have just put in words that would understand. They find another body and put a tag on it and the tag miraculously disappears. Sam notices and notices someone running around in the grass and <laughs> instead of guns up, it's like, hey, hey, send in pilk and smile, will <laughs> Don't look so scary. Yeah. Rather difficult to do. Yeah, which, and this comes back into the whole infection again. If they've already been exposed to the infection and aren't infected, then there's no reason why they can't take the helmets off at this point anyway. I suppose... Because we're going to learn in a minute it's a bacterial infection, so that doesn't mean body contact or um, body fluid or interaction. You're just literally breathing it in. Oh, okay. I suppose if they haven't quite got the cure for it yet, then you want to limit your exposure as much as possible. As you say, Tilk with his symbiote is going to be pretty much... Hot armour. <laughs> yes. Always useful, that is, when you've got one of your members of the team that can go pretty yeah, much anywhere. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things, too. The, the first encounter with that dead person, it just pure luck they didn't get contaminated at the time. You don't want to push your luck too much, so... Tilk cuts off this whatever it is running through the grass, uh, finally realises that it's a young girl. He puts on <laughs> his cheery face, uh, holds his hand out to her, beckons her towards him. Very... Uh, hands yeah, so yep. small he's got it. big mitts. <laughs> <laughs> and hand in hand, they walk around and... Oh. And the soul yeah. survivor is a little like He smiles when he sort of I mean, encourages her to come out. Then as they walk, he's just got the frown back on. Like, Let's not make a habit of me doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell anybody. I've got a reputation to is that a, is that a uh, camera? To. Give it here, give it here. <laughs> we go into the, we assume it's part of the observatory, we just call it the outpost for now, I suppose. Sam and Janet are having a look at the girl. She grabs the red tag again. I'm not sure if she considers some sort of link to her people or she's just seen everybody else with a red tag, so she thinks she should belong. Maybe some sort of protection, I don't know, really. For what we see later, I wonder if she was conscious when Neity was uh, operating on her or had her in captivity and sort of she knows that she's not long for the world. And that's why she's putting the tag on. I would have thought the procedure would have been done with a way to erase her memory. You wouldn't want anything slipping out before yeah, the hammer Yeah, especially if the uh, explanation Tilt gives later of how this all happens. Um, no scar, so great surgery. We might need to uh, get that sort of stuff quickly. <laughs> Janet finds that there's Naquita in her blood, the element that makes up the gate. Mildly mm. disturbing, I would have thought. Glad we sort of, we don't get too many more episodes where the whole Naquita, oh, that's what the gate's made of, exposition comes in. Yeah. And sort of, yes, okay, we're, we're getting through season one now. We know. Janet confirms that the bacterial infection is pervasive in all the water and the soil of this local area. There's no, no going outside without some sort of protection now. Yeah. Any other populations on the yep. planet stay well away they all sort of say well that's it we're going home but sam wants to uh, stay seemingly more focused on the black hole than what's been happening although she does say in all honesty that we're gonna see something special here and even though all this 
tragedies happen, we still need to see it. So Jack and Tilk volunteer to stay behind. Yeah, she made a point. This whole mission was to gather data on the black hole, see things they are unlikely ever to see again. The universe is huge, but the chance of <laughs> seeing black hole up close without mm. significant risk to you is pretty low. So, of course, F- S- FG. SG-7 gave the lives of this mission. Obviously not directly related, <laughs> probably not metal worthy. they did. Mm. And they were probably a science team. It probably wasn't metal worthy. No. So any information they get should yep. be credited to them, I suppose. Yep, so everyone returns to Earth and we get another decontamination at the gate because that's a cool little visual effect. I don't know what else it would do. I'm, I'm surprised they had a kiddie-sized yep. contamination suit. I'd love to know how many different sizes of contamination suits there are in military surplus. I'm pretty sure it'd be a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. You would tend to buy in bulk and then men's size, women's size. I don't even think there'd be that <laughs> much of much a it. difference between them. Like, that one size, that's it. Tape your legs and your sleeves up. <laughs> that's what tape's for. In the gate room, obviously, young girl is very, very, very scared. This is something she's totally not familiar with. Announcement comes off, level one, decontamination complete, onwards to level two. There's a decontamination airlock at the gate doorway. To be fair to the show, there's only so much they can do to actually show them going through this procedure. The one the one spot that falls apart is they walk through the gate. The contamination sprays probably two or three feet from the gate. They've already said infections in the soil, yet their boots have no decontamination when they walk onto the ramp. Better get the mops out and start cleaning that ramp down. But that's that's one of those conceits. You're never going to have the time to budget or whatever to say, right, next seven days in confinement until we see what this does. If it does anything, we'll just slow the episode down a lot more. Yeah. By the way, Sam, is there something we can do to this gate where it filters out certain elements? Yeah. Can you look into that for us, please? It stands to reason if you're breaking down somebody to the molecular levels, then the opportunity to manipulate that data is yeah. there. Just like the, you know, the Star Trek transporter. You don't want to use it all the time, but every now and again, it could be useful to say, oh, the, the pathogen was stripped yeah. out by the gate when you materialised. <laughs> Here's a good one. Pipe in the cancer gene. So when you walk through, the cancer doesn't go with you. <laughs> you want to save the planet? That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah the gate did pay for itself in no time. Anyway, we're sort of, Sam's getting attached here a bit too. You can sort of see that she doesn't want to leave Cassandra alone. And I suppose just going on with that, how all the horror themes again, this screams nuked from aliens a lot because I don't think she's even spoken yet at this point. I was no, definitely getting didn't. that vibe anyway. She just doesn't. Oh, they're all dead, okay? <laughs> I was waiting for it though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they only come out at night, mostly. Right, we're in the briefing room. Oh, she takes her to uh, a quarters. Very nondescript little room at the moment. That Oh, no worries. We can tidy it up a bit. We'll decorate it a bit, make it more, more festive. But don't worry. Uh, I'll be back in a bit. And I can see you all the time. Uh, the camera is watching you all the time. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't make me feel better. <laughs> Are you the only one on the other side of the camera? <laughs> yeah, yeah. not only have you brought me to a prison cell, but you're going to be watching me 24 hours a day. Yeah, constantly looking at the flashing red light, yep. wouldn't you? Thinking, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because mm. at this point, we don't know she speaks and understands English. Yeah, two blinks for yes, one blink for no. <laughs> a flashing red light would mean bad things in yep. their culture. Who knows? We jump to the briefing room, we see the camera footage. The room is decorated a lot more now, Sam is in there with her. They confirm that mm-hmm. they've found 1,432 dead bodies. They also speculate that this could be a virus that we introduced. The old, you know, uh, Spaniards going to the new world, carrying diseases that they're immune to, which rips through an 80 population that have no antibodies. 
you could assume that sort of SG7 was probably there for a couple of weeks, a month or two, maybe. How fast the common flu would mutate and then kill everyone. I understand sort of what you were saying with the Spanish how it was just the fact there was a different virus they hadn't been exposed to and that's what done it. It didn't mutate in the jungles of Peru and then decide to come out twice as bad. Sort of it's like the one false step thing again, sort of we've brought something through that the locals have never experienced or something like that. Also thought it was odd too, 1,400 people. I'm guessing that'd be whole village, if not surrounding villages as well, because that's the uh, population of my town, just about, and that's okay. that's, uh, that's devastating. It could be, you know, kind of the breadbasket of this particular region of the planet, and uh, yeah, maybe yeah. all this season as yeah. well. Lots of people in town. The question, why didn't the uh, telescope team report what the infection was doing, and if it was something we took through, why did our own team get infected as well? Yeah, there's still lots of questions that need to be answered. And we cut to the mess, and there's hot dogs. Oh. Well, that's where she got them from, but she's actually serving it all up in Cassandra's, oh, we don't know her name yet, in a room. The young girl likes the hot dogs, not sure about the buns and the relish. The staff member in the mess like, uh, excuse me, ma'am, you, you can't take the condiments out. <laughs> Leave the condiments on the tray. <laughs> yeah. How come we've got all the buns? Anyone see the, the ketchup dogs? or the mustard? <laughs> Yeah, so lots of stuffed animals now. Sam is going a bit overboard. Get rid of the concrete walls a bit more than the bringing in the plush stuff. We're going to do some painting and decorate the walls that way. Made me wonder when I saw the girls painting, that female figure, I don't believe that's supposed to be Cassandra or her mother. Definitely didn't think that was. No, that's what Sam believes, but that looks... Very subtle hint. ...foreboding, to say the least. It also sort of makes it even more, oh, not freaky, but frightening that like she still hasn't said anything... She's obviously witnessed this horror, and the Ash Hifi is sort of painting the horror <laughs> as well. It's sort of unsettling. Yeah, this is the point where you get the psychiatrist in. In fact, probably should have done it straight away. I know Sam has probably taken a semester of psychiatry. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> so it was a side study while she was waiting for her results to come in. I know in science fiction, having a psychiatrist can rub hmm. the wrong people the wrong way, but in the right yeah. context, it can be very useful. Having trouble here too with sort of Sam acting or doing this. She's not Ripley. We haven't seen any real motherly instinct to her, so it just seems weird for the character. I know she wants to probably do something else than just spew out techno babble, but it just seemed a bit off for the character, especially after like Emancipation Night, where she's like, no, nah, my way or the highway, and now she's like the caring mother all of a sudden. Yeah, or breathe candle. I don't know how to deliver a baby. Don't want to know either. <laughs> and, you know, I chose my career. I'm military. You know, if in 20, 30 years I settle down and I still can have a child, fine. But it's not big on my agenda at present. We see other kids come to the SGC later on and she has nothing to do with them. Like it's... In fact, one she ends up sleeping with. But... <laughs> <laughs> right, we get a quick put back to the observatory. Uh, Jack and Tilk having a, a bro moment. <laughs> I just love them trying to take up time, waste time by this banter. It's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a scene that could easily have been cut out if they'd been running on for time. Yeah. But it just splits everything up. The two boys having a bit of a laugh. Because I'm pretty sure Jack could explain it a lot better so that Dilk could understand exactly what's going on. But no, it's, it's just... Everything gets sucked in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, back in the room. The young girl's in bed. Finally, we get some uh, word out of her. Yep. Please don't go. Yeah, we need some tranquilizers in here. Knock her out so you can leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> Learn her name, Cassandra. At this point, we also, well, a few seconds later, we learn that she's got some chest pains. Uh, Janet figures out she's got low potassium count. 
nothing really to worry about. Change of diet, <laughs> some supplementals, not a problem. Until she collapses. Then irregular heartbeat. Yeah, well, she panic, starts panic. convulsing or something here too. Code blue. <laughs> and the alarm starts down. They rush her to the operating room. Janet goes to check her heartbeat and you got that mechanical... I've just got... Hearts don't beat like that. <laughs> no, that, that's a bit different. Sorry, my notes start getting a little bit vague here because Revenge of the Sith was on it last night and I was <laughs> watching this on my iPad and uh, I'm not going to lie, I was focusing more on that <laughs> and enjoying watching that more <laughs> than the second end of the episode, but we'll continue the best I can. Fair enough. Yeah, so Cassandra's in surgery. Uh, Dr. Warner, played by Kevin McNulty, returns to the show. He's using a scope to get close to her heart. There's something metallic, something engineered, where her heart should be. Definitely doesn't look good. He thinks it's a great idea to try to take got, a sample. That's not a great idea. I've got a note here. Does that thing have a proximity <laughs> sensor on it? As he gets closer, we get the heartbeat starting to change. Pull out now. No, I'm just going to get a biopsy while I'm here. Heartbeat gets worse. Then flatline. Oh, it's okay. I got a little bit, but we've flatlined. And then, well, it, it didn't it form by microscopic fragments in her blood? And then the iron they gave her as a supplement. Well, I suppose there's got to be a template. This isn't just forming, you know, kind of randomly. This is probably in the DNA of the virus. It's, as we learn... Mm. It was nanites, wasn't it? I suppose you could argue that anything mechanical being constructed is being done by machines. I think at this point, it's it's triggered by the virus, got the template, pulling the naquita out of her blood, taking the potassium out of her as well, combining the two elements to build the two halves of you've just seen it react to having camera touch it you're going to jump on top of it with the paddles and charge her up as well yeah yeah it's like okay you're sort of under the pump she's just b-fib she's, Don't do that. she's flatline it's like okay just settle think about it you got her alien device on her heart you're going to go and put a current across that we don't know at the moment it's a bomb but still that might be the only thing that was keeping her heart alive and we see here, before they get a chance to push the button, it starts the heart back up again. But <laughs> They speculate a little bit later that the initial energy surge is what actually put the thing into high gear. Mm. Yes, very, very, very smart. It's fiendish, whatever it is anyway. Janet and the General having a little walk and talk down the corridor. Mm. Interesting that he's being followed by a couple of uh, security personnel. I would have thought he was in much danger inside the SEC, but... They're there to grab the security key when he falls over. There you go. (laughs) Plan B. (laughs) Janet confirms that the object is controlling the heart. Back in the room, Sam is definitely getting in deep now. She's she's committed to this child. Yep, she was dreaming of her mother. No two ways about it. Daniel is sitting outside uh, Cassandra's room. (laughs) We've nothing to do (laughs) this episode at all. I know, this is... uh, Michael, can you come in for one day and just... Sit there reading a book for 30 seconds, please. Thank you. You've probably got eight lines in the entire show, if that. <laughs> yeah, he offers to help them out, cover sitting with the child. Yeah. And this is in character with Daniel. He's a compassionate man, the sort of thing you would do, helping Cassandra as well as helping Sam. Back at the observatory, everything's kicking off. We get the yep. the blatant it's show time as uh, the totality begins. Nice little touch. <laughs> work as well when the show went into syndication in the laboratory janet confirms that the two elements in her heart are slowly growing together she takes those couple of samples takes them down to a sub basement in the sgc <laughs> it was it was a sub basement anyway <laughs> yeah uh, microscopic pieces of the two materials slowly bringing them together 
they make contact. I would have loved just a little rumble or a little monitor Boom. shake or something, just <laughs> just to signify how it just takes out the camera. So okay, a grenade in the room would do that. No, just to get that feel, how big an explosion just it's going to be, or how big it was. I suppose they'd argue that since the base is built on springs to withstand a nuclear attack. <laughs> well, they have got the dampeners in there from the uh, stop the gate and that from shaking. So, but you're right. I mean, they gloss over a lot of things. So, just a rumble, just to hear it on the edge. But then I suppose because they did use a, a microscopic sample where this thing's two golf balls or something that are about to come together. So, just at least they said it's a microscopic amount. So we've seen what happened with that, and now we sort of we know when this big thing goes off, it's going to leave a new ocean. In the central Midwest. They registered a gamma burst, so aside from the actual physical explosion, that is not going to do well for a couple hundred miles in either direction. Yeah, this sucker's nuclear. <laughs> right, we're back up the observatory. They are monitoring the black hole on a CRT television. <laughs> Love that clarity. I know, it's, it seems such a waste, doesn't it? <laughs> mm. You've got that fantastic optics giving you a fantastic picture, and you, you're looking at it on a 625, or no, an NTSC CRT. Even sort of back in the day then, too, like some of the images, Hubble were beaming back. We didn't have the, the resolution on screens to be able to look at them in clarity, as much clarity as what the photos were taken. So, and this is only a small operation, military. I'm surprised they got CRTs and not just sort of monitors in suitcases. Yeah. It's only a one-time setup. I wouldn't want to be the tech that was hauling all that stuff from the gate. Yeah, just a couple of vehicles would have been useful. Why... That's one of my biggest things of the series. Why have we not got a, a Stargate vehicle yeah. at all? Something like the Mount, yeah. A bigger mule, not battery-driven, so you've got a bit more performance, a bit more... Especially when this is semi-permanent base. This isn't something you just yeah. put up for a week and then off you go. You've got the time to bring this to Stargate Command, take it down to the bottom. It might be difficult, but... Well, you've got a missile silo. Lower it down. <laughs> exactly. Look through the telescope and the notice little speck in the lower right quadrant... Too close to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a moon. No, that's no moon. They zoom in and, oh, look, that looks very familiar. In fact, Hilk can see so clearly the big billboard on the side to say that's Newty's attack mothership. I was I was looking for some sort of uh, markings on the hull. Anything. Yeah, instead of just stock footage of the attacks we've seen before. <laughs> yeah, I think this is. they say this is the first time we've seen the full exterior of a Stargate SG-1 attack compared to, say, raw ship. Oh, yeah, because this is all before the season finale, yeah. Considering we're only getting a very small look at it, it looks okay. And I've got to admire the resolution of the telescope, because when you see the Death Gliders come through, granted, Jack doesn't figure out what they are, but everybody else knows what they are. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> we, we must leave. Yes. <laughs> well, I just, I just found it funny, like, as, as I was saying, no identifying markers on the side of it whatsoever, yet Tilk simply brings up and identifies the ship. Yeah, it wouldn't be so bad if every system law painted the attack a different colour, but no. Or just have their, their, their symbol stamped on the top of the pyramid, <laughs> although you wouldn't see it from underneath like this anyway. But seems when Ra brought the technology of the Gore to Earth, brought the system lords there for human hosts, he had a monopoly on on the used car lot, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can have any colour as long as it's gold. Would you, use, would you buy a used attack off this system, Lord? I <laughs> uh, promise there is no override code. <laughs> yeah, only 100,000 million light-year miles original. All the original brazers. What more yep. could you ask for? It blows a bit of black smoke, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's the feature. That's camouflage. They evacuate. They get out of there. 
we cut back. We sort of start to cut back and forth here. We get the bomb can't be removed, so the Hammond's not. We're going to send her back. We don't want to hear anymore. No worries. Definitely a trap set for the SGC. They relied on the guilt of the humans believing it was their fault. They would look after the only survivor. Uh, they take her through the Stargate, where when at that point she was perfectly harmless. She was, coin phrase, the perfect Trojan horse. Yeah. Yeah, I think someone asked, well, how could they have done this? And like, they're the bad guys. <laughs> yes. What they do. Exactly. Humans to the gold are nothing. Yeah. Below nothing. And they know exactly that we're going to have compassion for one of our own, in this case, a little girl. We're definitely going to fall into their little scheme. And we have a very specific countdown as well. One hour, 52 minutes. Yeah. Always useful. Because it's that precise. I suppose, though, if you're looking at the decay rate of certain elements, then they are predictable. Yeah. Quick look at the outside of the giant mountain. We return back in. We see that Cassandra is seriously ill now. We get the combination of military Sam and compassionate Sam, because Daniel can't quite understand how she's coping with all this. Unusual for Daniel. Normally, he shows a lot more insight into human beings. Yeah. She just can't get away from her. And we cut back to the planet. We got incoming. Jack and Tilka running for the Stargate. And we get, I love, I love this little bit. They found some trees there somewhere that they dive in and hide in. Two men enter, no one leaves. No one, pilots don't notice that they didn't leave this little thicket of trees. So light it up. <laughs> yeah, just wipe it out. Not a problem. Yeah, but we... Two death gliders. You, you can be yeah. straight in runs alternately. They're not going anywhere. We see later they can communicate with each other, so... Yeah. One of the problems was Jack had to get his contamination suit on. Otherwise, yeah. he'd escaped in quite easily. Yep. That'd be fun to run into, I can just imagine. No wonder they wanted to take a breather on the way out to the gate. <laughs> when Jack and Tilk jumped into the ditch, Jack's got his breathing apparatus on his hip. That must have come keen. Yeah, probably got a, a minute or two before that fails. <laughs> <laughs> but we get Tilk, ever informative. Gives us a feel about one day, I think there was a meeting with Cronus. I didn't, I didn't write down who, but there was a meeting where uh, people weren't heard from again because the gate exploded. And Neity was the one that orchestrated it. Yes, arguing over the disposition of a, a gate. Neity pretty much decided that <laughs> nobody's going to get it. Yep, sent someone in with the same device and uh, no one was ever seen again. Interesting that Tilt calls Neity a he at this point. Yeah. My guess is that the writers simply hadn't come up with a storyline for the character at this point. Yeah. And it's really, it's not really until season season four opener five that we get a female called too it's the boys club up until then jack and tilt making a mad dash for the gate under fire from the death gliders the uh, the stormtrooper goal of aiming and shooting <laughs> evading credit again though the pyrotechnic guys they put in some nice oh yeah nice there's a couple that get or seem to get close to especially when they get to that gate and sort of dive yeah. through i think both actors know when not to flinch although my guess is that at least at some point, one of the gu- the guy in the suit isn't... Uh, no, Nancy. and that's sort of another thing you can do with the suits. You can sort of get the stunt guys in there. Tilt's a bit different, but being an ex-football player, he'd, he'd have the stamina to be able to run run and do this a couple of times anyway, you'd think. Yeah. Now in General Hammond's office, the red phone's there. Pretty much confirmed that there's no way to save the girl, at least based on the technology they've got. At one hour 20 before she goes boom... Orders are taken off base, SG-4 to accompany him. Jack comes in, hey, there's that bandit nuclear base 20 minutes from here. <laughs> Convenient. Well, to be fair, they get to the point where they dial in the gate. That's when Jack and Tilk actually, you know, kind of jump the gun, break the dial in. As yeah, they, they uh, beat them back hot. or beat them to the dial and get back and say, get away from the gate. 
Yes, we get the little explosion, the little chunks of black polystyrene <laughs> thrown through the gate. Yeah, the air cannon with some smoke <laughs> or debris. Walter's in the gate room. <laughs> Bless him. you uh, handily saving the day. There was that cutscene where they're sort of on their way to the briefing room. Walter's like talking to someone else. Hey, isn't there a base not far from here that could take an explosion like this? They cut it for timing, though. That's where Jack got the idea from. Ah, right. <laughs> well done, Walter. We're in the briefing room. The full plan is revealed. The intricacies of the cold-bloodedness of killing an entire population and leave one survivor, knowing that they'd be taken through the gate where DNA technology, bacterial technology, all combine to turn a young girl into a bomb yeah. that can level a Stargate. Incredibly nasty. They're the bad guys. <laughs> How could anyone be so cruel? <laughs> yeah, they're not really known for their compassion. No. This is where we learn about the abandoned nuclear warehouse. Uh, as you said, it's highly <laughs> convenient. Get in the truck. I suppose there has to be some sort of facility close to Cheyenne Mountain for the storage of uh, nuclear Well, the whole ordinance. reason NORAD and that's there is uh, because of the hills being able to get deep in the bedrock. It'd naturally yeah. be a place, if you're going to have a military base there, you'd also have a like a storage facility nearby as well, especially when you at one point had missiles being launched from the site. If there was any sort of contamination or any waste, you'd want somewhere close to be able to transport it. We see uh, three military trucks driving down the road. I don't think you can go no. wrong with a military convoy in any TV show. Always looks a business. We get to the base. It doesn't look overly secure, to be honest with you, but yeah. it looks just like a warehouse until they get inside. Lots of concrete construction, a working electric lift, considering it's abandoned. Yeah. No one checked the specs on the lift to make sure the cables weren't rotten or anything. Yeah. But again, like even even with abandoned bases, there is some upkeep in case it needs to be ready. Battle. Yes. The yeah. military yeah. never really abandon anything. They've always got procedures and yeah. ideas if they have to reactivate quickly. That's like you know the only time they I'm gonna say the only the only time you know they've given up on a base is when they sell the land yeah. and then. Yeah, that's there's a couple of bases here that have still got all the rail networks in place that sort of haven't been used. They've been used for military storage, but haven't been used as a full-on base since World War Two. It's just sitting there in case. The rail assets and that, the storage needs to be used again one day. Although, I think the railway line two bases being cut, and there's a housing developer built over it, so... <laughs> yeah, it was a good idea um, while it was there. Jack offers to take Cassandra down the 30 floors to the uh, lowest levels. Sam uh, takes it upon herself. Cassandra seems to be sleeping. At this point, as Jack... No, I'm giving you a direct order. You are not going down there. You've got two attached to her, and I know you're not going to leave her. Yes, you should have thought, can, no disrespect to the female officer and any maternal instinct, but you have shown that you're a little too close to this person. I can get because Jack hasn't been on base. He's been back on the planet. He hasn't seen what's going on, but Daniel should definitely be chiming up here and saying, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Sam should not be the one to do this. Yes, they, they get to <laughs> level 28, and this is where Cassandra no. wakes up which I don't think was no, part of the plan. Nor seeing the uh, the massive vault door being open. Yeah, you, you reckon your last bedroom was scary when you see this one? <laughs> I don't know if the the device is counteracting the sedative they put into the girl. No. You really don't want her awake at this point. In fact, if there'd been no direct damage to the device, you'd probably put her out of misery. Well, there's the other thing. Was she actually not pranky-lized? knocked out or was um because she passed out when she got close to the gate she didn't wake up again after that and sort of now yeah. they must have put a sedative in they wouldn't risk it, saying sure. now the sort of proximity away from the gate 
well, we learn later that it starts to dissolve. It actually counteracts building of the bomb and the the decay of the bomb. So, yeah, th- this is where the episode for me does take yeah. a diversion. I'm not sure just removing Cassandra from the vicinity of a Stargate and that mass of Naquita is going to reverse procedure. That really doesn't make sense. Well, that the gate's the trigger. It's not the cause for the bomb to be coming together, as far as we know. Well, eventually the. If the bomb, if the two halves yeah. of the bomb kept growing, they would torch and they'd go boom. Also, if it's exposed to the energies of the gate, it will go boom. At this point, okay, it's been sucking stuff out of her blood. Okay, maybe that's starved her blood of certain things the brain needs and she's sort of passed out and that's why she hasn't been awake this whole time. But now they're away from the gate, it's sort of already starting to absorb the, the stuff back out of the bomb, but... That's another thing this whole series sort of does is whenever there's a foreign body in there, it's okay, the body absorbs it back into the system after the fact. Yes, with very few consequences. Sam is very distraught, as you would imagine. At least Cassandra isn't... Worst starts, what's happening? Wait, what are you doing? <laughs> yes. At this point, you know, we, we get Sam just leaving her there, wrapped in a blanket, closing the, <laughs> the blast door to... If that's not a sign you're about bunker. to go. <laughs> gets into the lift. Starts going up the levels. We're on the clock. Yeah. Got to hurry. Got to hurry. This is the point where I think it didn't do Sam any service at all. A, she left the girl. Okay, she went back. It doesn't negate the fact that she left her. The idea that she just believed she'd be all right. You know, oh, she woke up. Proximity to the gate is the key to it. She was going to be all right. Couldn't prove it. I just knew it. I'm sorry, at this point, Sam should have made the decision, I am not leaving you regardless. I will die here with you. You will not be alone. Yeah, they should have seen that the lift wasn't coming back up and radiated and sort of, she went back to the lift to tell them that she wasn't coming back up, not leave, get halfway back up and go, no, I'm going back down. Yeah, it seemed like they didn't really make up the mind how they wanted Sam to react. And the fact that you left the girl there, even though you went back, it doesn't say well, about your character. Well, considering I have a friendship after this at all, it's like, no, you left me. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to I'm gonna go and live with Janet. Oh, I don't want to see you ever again. You left me. <laughs> yep, the clock ticks down. Everybody's looking at the watches. Where's the kaboom? Tick, tick, There's always tick. an earth-shattering kaboom. No boom. <laughs> I didn't feel anything. Shake uh, the watch. Is it yeah, was this okay, on time? <laughs> I suppose that's one benefit of uh, yeah. having a very specific time frame to work within. It's not like you, you lit a firework and it just doesn't go off and you don't go near it for for another hour or so, just in no, case. What? Oh, there's a little bit of smoke there. No, just wait, wait, wait. I'll, I'll just go and kick it. Okay, you take two steps, bang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, eardrums. <laughs> At this point then, does this mean that part of this structure has been reabsorbed into a skin? Or is there always going to be some elements in there that precludes any <sighs> sort of gate travel? I suppose you got to look at if there's any, normally if there's any foreign body in you and it's absorbed, it's going to be sort of secreted out through the skin or you're going to lose stuff it's going to get diluted or anything like that so i'm you'd think spoiler alert for later on in the series she does go back through the gate so yeah they kind of decided that all these elements that were dangerous to it's it. never brought up in rite of passage that it's all gone or nothing it's just because just got to go back to the the planet because <laughs> of something nearly done which is interesting she'd done that to her in the first place when she was going to expect her to explode here but anyway that's for another episode okay so it's it's been absorbed back into the skin there might yep. be oh, in, into the body there's probably some time where the Nakwada and that is still in a blood. I'm sure if the season or the franchise or the series continued, there'd be a time later on where she'd come back and she'd be able to use ghoul technology to fight the people that pressed her or something. But Yeah. yeah. We cut to a nice idyllic park. 
Tilky's rocking a, a fantastic uh, Murray persona. Jackie's carrying a dog. <laughs> this dog does not take one step in this entire episode. He is carried everywhere. Hold on to it, or never stayed. If it just ran for the food cart, food trolley, yeah. but every time they put it on the ground. And he hardly looks like a puppy either. Turned off by now. Is there a lake or an infinite park? Because I'm just wondering, maybe it might have kept on running for <laughs> ducks or something. Uh, yeah, this is this is when Cassandra you know runs up to Jack and says, "What's this? Oh, this yep. is a dog. Every child on Earth should have a dog." Uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've got a feeling that this, this was basically Jack getting rid of it. Yeah, I wonder if he sort of talked to Janet about this. Yeah, he's not worried about whoever's got to actually walk and feed the dog after the fact. Because she's always there. Janet's going to get home one night after alien invasion. He <laughs> ran off her feet and there's going to be dog crap. The dog's going to chew all the records up. <laughs> and she's just going to be yelling on her knee, knees, yelling at the roof. Oh, dear. Good to have a little <laughs> close out like this because I'm pretty sure if every other kid we get from... Here on out, it's always, oh, well, you have to go to school. Education is important. After school, you go. Oh, yeah. I think this this is where they actually confirm that the object is shrinking inside the chest. Cassandra confirms that it's got to be secret. The Stargate program, she can't talk about it. <laughs> They're going to say she's from the mysterious foreign land of Toronto. I hope she's got the proper papers because she's still technically probably an illegal alien then. Yeah, well, I don't know if the, the military is capable of just coming up with social security numbers and all that jazz but they probably are yeah yeah they've got contacts with the nsa Whee! that's when she spots the swings how she puts two and two together and thinks they look interesting if there'd been a young kid on the swings fair enough well if you've never seen i was swings, going back to the windmills and all that the construction on the planet it's a pretty rudimentary object to have although i don't think they had too many big trees you could hang one from but yeah it is okay and then she sits on it she doesn't lay on it stand on it Look, okay, you're going to have swings and she's going to recognise that there's something I can ride on. We'll at least have a little goof where, well, that's not how you're supposed to do it. Yeah, at this point, they're just wrapping yeah. the episode up with a feel-good moment, and for that, it works. No kaboom. <laughs> nope, Janet's got herself a living daughter, a, a new pet. Yeah. She just turned up. I didn't know. <laughs> I lost her as a baby in Toronto. <laughs> okay, then, folks, that was Singularity. A mixed episode, judging by the uh, viewing <laughs> um, experience of both myself. And yeah, myself. it's not. It's not one I'll go back to. It's. I, lo- I just like the different different filming locations. We're back out, or we're at this large field. It's not the not the forests of Canada, which I do love as well. Something different. Yep. Worth mentioning that Katie Stewart, who played Cassandra, appeared twice on the show. Recently, been in the One Hundred, and before that, when she was a young girl, The Crow, Stairway to Heaven. Kevin McNulty, four appearances on SE One as Doctor Warner. He was recently in Arctic Air, for that Outer Limits and Millennium. Robert C. Cooper, of course, goes on to write many episodes of the show. 39 of SG-1, 5 of Atlantis and 6 of Universe. Also went on to be the executive producer of Dirt Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. And Mario as a party, the director. This is one of his five episodes of SG-1, and afterwards he did four episodes of Atlantis. Is that all? I seem to remember his name popping up a lot at the start of the credits. Maybe it's just his episodes I watch more than others, except for this one. <laughs> it could be. He did most of his episodes early on. Yeah. So perhaps they got repeated more often on normal television. Okay then, folks, thank you very much for joining us this week. Next week... <laughs> Time to face your demons, Tilk. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd say I hope you join us for that, but it's not one of the best episodes. Villagers with pitchforks. Help, I must face what I've done. Yeah. It was needed because he was a first prime for a while and he's done some atrocities, but he sort of needs this to say, Rightio, I've done all that, but that was different me. I've now changed and, and all that. So 
might not be a fantastic episode in the SG lore, but I think it was needed. Much like, oh, whatever the Blue Crystal one was for Jack, or so just for Jack to step away from the movie and say, yep, our son died. I haven't resolved anything with my ex-wife, and now we need to sort of favor that and get on with the adventure. Jack can be happy again. That's the one. Well, it's another episode, Cold Ladders, that you're not particularly keen on. Yeah, okay. There's a theme here. <laughs> at, at, what, at what point does Daniel get over Charay? <laughs> well, technically, he's he's been sleeping around a bit. Pretty sure that's the pilot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's an okay episode. Pulls the heartstrings for a few, so that's not going to condemn that at all. Okay then, folks, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to join us on the show, please get in touch. You can email us at stargatearchives at gmail.com. Our website is stargatearchives.com. We are on Twitter using our old name, at thegatecast. We're also on Facebook and Google+. Do a search for Gatecast or a general search for Stargate and we should pop up. Brad, how's your podcast going? Lovely. Near the Lost World Minute on the final stretch for that. And uh, yeah, Transformers are going good. We've got the Bumblebee movie coming out soon. Yay. Yeah, it's a good time to be a collector. Lots of toys out there, not enough money. Same old, same old. Yeah, and now my son's sort of collecting some of the Star Wars stuff. and uh, Never enough money. Yeah, the last jo- the last Jedi is going to put a bit of a strain on the budget. Especially oh, yeah. when I've still got to get some of the, the Lego Batman movie sets, waiting for them to go on reduced price. So, fun times. <laughs> okay then, folks. Until next week, take care. I've been Mike. I've been Brad. Bye-bye. Lovely. Lovely.